Welcome to episode 63 of Contested Catch. It is our week 10 buys and sells. We've got our our main man, our fantasy football contributor, Kyle Singer's back. He is not back in the usual time zone, though. Kyle, how are you and where are you at the moment? It's been a long day for me, Will. I I woke up at like five o'clock. My buddy Jacob drove me to Buffalo. Uh, Saw some Bills fans heading out west. Um, I'm in Arizona. We'll see if I can make the Bills game. I, I was looking at tickets. They're like upwards of 600 bucks right now. So pretty steep. But yeah, it's been a long, it's been a long day. But I'm ready to get the pod going. And I'm excited for some football tonight. Absolutely, man. Well, we're glad to have you out there representing the, the clan, uh, both the Contested Catch clan, but also Bills Mafia, baby. Um, it's a it's a big game. It's a it's a it's going to be a tough matchup. I think Kyler is, uh, you know, quite the guy to try to contain. He's playing some of his best football of his young career so far. So uh, any predictions on this one? Yeah, I mean, well, last week shocked me. First off, I think that's worth mentioning is like. I'd say last year's Thanksgiving game and then last week were probably the two best Bills games I've ever seen. Um, just like what we did, we were never down against Russell Wilson. Just it was awesome to see. But for this week, ah, I think we're going to get the win, but like I'm scared. I, we need to contain Kyler. And if we can hold him to under like 65 rushing yards, I think we'll be good. I, I expect him to run one in from close, but like last week, he, I mean, that's what he's been doing. He's just tearing teams apart with his legs. It's funny because we know he's a really good player and the guy that I comped him to or said that he could play like is Russell Wilson coming out, uh, you know, not in a body type. It's somewhat there, but more so like uh, in, in terms of the way they run, in terms of the way they play extend the play with their legs. They're not always looking to run, but when they do, it works really well. It just felt like a similar type of player. Uh, Russell's running for more, or I think he's running for more yards per game than he ever has in his career. And Kyler Murray is obviously just lighting the league on fire with his legs. So uh, it's a pretty similar game plan, I would think. Um, Probably focusing more on defending the the quarterback run than we did against Seattle. We'll see. Uh, you know, the the Arizona defense itself is a little interesting as well. A lot of injuries and such. So we'll see if uh, Josh Allen can keep that level of play up. Obviously, n- basically no one is as bad as Seattle on defense right now. So that's true. Uh, anyway, I hope I hope we get a win. I hope you get to celebrate with some Bills fans out in Zona. Yeah, that would, that'd be great. Good stuff. Okay. All right, Kyle, let's get started with our wide receiver buys to start. Obviously, looking ahead to week 10 and beyond, we're starting to think more about fantasy football playoffs as well. It'll probably start around week 13 for most leagues. Um, Kyle, who is your first wide receiver buy that you want everyone to keep their eye on? So this one's going to make you happy because um, we've, we've had this discussion back and forth, and that's uh, DJ Chark. Last game, he erupted, uh, started off like I think he was the first touchdown scorer of the the one o'clock slate with like a 70 yard touchdown or whatever it was um, yep second play yeah that's that's awesome for you and he looked good i mean he's getting like he's getting the targets but for all of these wide receivers both buys and sells i'm going to be um talking about their stats over their past four weeks that they've played uh, i think that's kind of a nice sample size to work with so in Chark's case, he has a 29% target share and a 48% air yard share. He's also got a 14.2 A dot, and he's got a red zone target in every game. Well, four four red zone targets through four games, and like, I don't I don't think the uh, the quarterback play really mattered. It, it probably actually helped him in terms of fantasy points. So, um, you, you know, I know you and uh, Jeff were talking about Lutton and and seeing how he'll stack up versus Minshew. And it looks like it's bode well for Chark so far, and I actually think that will continue. Yeah, I really hope you're right, man. Uh, obviously, I was very excited by the DJ Chark explosion because, you know, he deserves it. He's a really talented player, very athletic, uh, obviously did a lot in his second year last year in 2019. And um, it seems like it might be starting to happen in the second half here. We'll see if Jake Lutton can actually play like he did last week, which was at least good enough to give DJ Chark the ball downfield and let him uh, make some plays. So, you know, 48% air yard share through the last four weeks is really strong, very healthy, almost 30% area uh, target share. That is obviously, you know, you and your second in rock through that time, you're, you're doing something right. Exactly. So, uh, 
I agree with that buy for sure. Yeah, that's the main seller for me. Once I saw Shark two and Rock, you know, above these elite wideouts, it's like, all right, this guy is he's he's definitely worth the buy right now, even off of a hot game. Yeah, and I think that you could probably try to convince someone that they are selling high. Chances are, if they still have Chark, they're they're either struggling or uh, or they've already moved on and they don't necessarily need him. Yeah. So, I would say there's a decent chance you could get someone trying to sell high. Meanwhile, you you know if you're using the Rock that this guy's volume is legit, and this is what should have been happening in the first place. So, uh, I agree with you there, Kyle. Uh, who's your who's your next wide receiver buy? Uh, so the next one eighth in rock over the past four weeks and that's jacoby myers i mean the patriots have not been passing it and and they've looked awful i mean they should have lost to the jets uh cam ended up clutching it out but jacoby myers got a 30 percent target share and a 51 percent air yard share so like you know that's those are unbeatable numbers right there he's getting literally half over half of the team's air yards um, but on top of that, he's got it. He's got 17 first downs in their last four games. So he's been their reliable target, um, and he seems to be the only wide receiver, or the only pass catcher for that matter, to develop any type of rapport with Cam Newton, any trust. Um, and I do think better days are ahead for the Patriots as a whole. Like it can't get much much worse than their past two weeks. They barely scraped out that win against the Jets. Um, so I, I do think Cam's going to hit his stride a little bit. I'm not, you know, I don't think they're making the playoffs and I don't think he's going to be an elite passer. But I think in terms of Cam Newton, like similarly to what I think Lamar Jackson, I think both of them will have some positive regression in the passing department. And that will bode well for Jacoby Myers, who is seeing literally all of the work. Yeah, uh, you know, it, it's been helpful that Julian Edelman has been out during this time. Um, it also was helpful that I think Demir Bird was a little uh, banged up, but still, I mean, this guy's getting literally like 40% target share. Uh, I think it was the last two weeks. He has 40% target share, which is just unbelievable in each game. That is just like so crazy. Uh, and then obviously the 51% air yard share that is first and, uh, DJ Chark, the guy we we're just talking about is second. So, you know, we're obviously really fans of the air yard share metric right now, but I mean, it's important because it's really showing you that when this team decides to push the ball downfield, not even like a deep pass, just like Oh, you need to you need to pass further than like you know a short crossing route, or you're not pa- passing to a running back. Chances are it's probably going to Jacoby Myers. Um, you know, thirty percent target share is really healthy through through four weeks as well. Uh, one thing I did say though, Kyle, I actually talked about uh, Jacoby Myers in the catch up this week as well that went out uh, not too long ago. His touchdown upside is really capped because. You know, he only has two red zone targets through the last four weeks. That is not ideal. But not only that the Patriots just don't really have an interest in passing for any touchdowns in 2020. I don't believe so. Like, I mean, when they get near enough to the goal line, they're just running the ball. They've got Cam Newton. That's what he does best is run in short yardage situations. He's very difficult to stop. And he adds that extra wrinkle for defenses to try to defend. So I wouldn't expect a lot of touchdowns from Jacoby Myers. The good news is you don't necessarily need them when he's seeing this level of volume. He can be a PPR uh, wide receiver too, all the way with this kind of volume so i agree with you on this buy you can probably still get him for pretty cheap i think a lot of people aren't going to believe that this is here to stay especially if julian edelman is on his way back even if he is i still like jacoby myers jeff selects jacoby myers you like jacoby myers we're all in lockstep there um kyle who is your third wide receiver buy last one's jarvis landry i think we talked about him two weeks ago and then he had the buy but in that game two weeks ago um, against Oakland, he had a touchdown that was called back. And, you know, if that holds, and, and that was an iffy call too, but ultimately it came back. And if that holds, he has a, he has a nice fantasy performance. He's, you know, his rock is not great uh, in his past four, but he did have the buy. So he's 32nd in rock. He's got a 26% target share um, and over 20% air yard share. He's, like I said, they're coming off that bye week um, and Chubb, Chubb is probably going to be back this week, which I do think will help Jarvis Landry. I think he'll, you know, they're going to have to respect the run and and that actual ground and pound game rather than Kareem Hunt, who's more of a receiving back. They're really going to have to, you know, watch out for what you think is one of the best. I mean, the best rusher in the NFL, right? Well, that's. 
Yeah, I mean, it it feels like it's changed a couple times throughout the season for me. I think Chubb is a, has a very, very strong case um, to be the number one. I've said it before that he is. Right now, I don't know how we can say anyone is a better pure rusher than Dalvin Cook, but, you know, it's a little bit of recency bias. It's more so just trying to give credit there. So, yeah, I mean, if not number one, like number two or three. Yeah, he's... To me, I mean, I'm not as high on him there, but I do think he's a great runner, and we see him rip off the Derrick Henry 90-yard touchdowns. So, you know, you definitely have that. He definitely has that going for him. And But, yeah, Dalvin Cook is is a freaking beast, so I'm not going to say. Yes, he is. But, uh, yeah, I would, I would just say, like, all three of these guys that I just said, Jarvis, Jacoby Myers, and then Chark, they're all low. Like, you can, you can buy them for low, and they're all, like, a – a flex play or if you have two flex like a, a nice flex too um and you can get all of them for cheap so i'm not saying you know give up a whole lot but you know if you've got some if someone will take any bench for them yeah like i would i definitely do that i think these guys have high upside um i think jarvis has a high floor and i mean, actually i think they all have a high floor but they all they all also have that high ceiling so i think they're you know a nice a nice 10 plus points a game in your lineup. Yeah. So th- to reinforce that last point about them being by lows, uh, they're all showing up on the rock underperformers list. Um, and the significance of this is obviously on the rock tool, you can see the guys that are underproducing the opportunity, or at least based on what we'd expect someone to produce with that same opportunity. So Jarvis Landry is the highest of the bunch among them. Uh, he is for, he's the fourth biggest underperformer in the last four weeks. Formerly, DJ Chark was the number one underperformer for a few weeks running. And so obviously that just got, uh, it made a big, big correction in the right right direction for uh, DJ Chark there. But Jarvis Landry's fourth. He is underproducing his opportunity by about three points per game. Um, and then Jacoby Myers is actually, what is that, seventh on the underproducers list. So he's actually leaving some meat on the bones as well. And among all the, the top 10 and underperformers, Jacoby Myers has by far uh, the highest uh, points per game and projected points per game. So um, anyway, Jacoby Myers, you know, you can probably still, he, like he is not producing up to the level of volume. So that means there's still some meat on the bone. Same with Jarvis Landry. DJ Chark is, I think, coming in at 14th or 15th on the list. So uh, not really uh, worth like including him there, but it still says that, you know, he hasn't done as much with his opportunity as he could have. So good stuff there, Kyle. I like all of those buys. Uh, let's move on to the wide receiver sells here. Who are you selling ahead of week 10? Yeah, so I'm going to take an L on this one. Uh, Marvin Jones. I had him in like, I think I had him uh, four of six leagues, and I started him in all of them, all four last week. So I did get lucky he scored, but it was miserable watching him. Basically knew nothing. He was not getting the looks. Um, you know, like that's not what I was going to expect with Galladay out. I know that. We did have this sample early in the season, the first couple of weeks, and you know there were indicators that it was going to be that way. But I, I was doubting them. But now I, it's unfortunate. I think, I think you can sell the touchdown. Um, I haven't been able to, but I think you can. However, I am hearing that uh, Hawkinson is. I think he didn't practice today. Uh, I don't. You can verify that for me. But if that's the case, sure, I like Marvin Jones a little bit better, but. If people need a win now and say, okay, no Galladay, potentially no Hawk, like, yeah, uh, it makes sense to start him now. So I do think get rid of him because he's only seeing a 15% target share and 18% air yard share. And like I said, he's been, he's been very nice in the touchdown department, but um, touchdowns are tough. They're, they're very tough to predict. And he also, like you were saying about the under producers, he is up there on the over producers overproducing by almost three fantasy points a game. Yeah, I agree with this one as well, Kyle. Um, Marvin Jones has just been historically one of those players that blows up for a couple touchdowns, you know, once a season, basically. And I think we kind of saw that already in week eight where he had three catches, two of which were touchdowns on only seven targets. Um, He does have six red zone targets over the last four weeks. That's a pretty solid number. So that kind of supports his three touchdowns that he scored then. The problem is he hasn't done like nearly as much as you would want or hope with Kenny Galladay banged up or out of the lineup. Um, so I think with Kenny Galladay, called Kenny Galladay probably returning shortly, I think Marvin Jones is a pretty safe fade. Um, you know, if you can get something for him, so be it. I think that you know he's he's probably like a pretty low floor, low ceiling guy. 
you're just not going to be able to predict the blow up week, um, unfortunately. And so that's just the nature of who, of who this player is at this point and, you know, his role in the offense. I think especially as DeAndre Swift's role grows in that offense, TJ Hawkinson continues to break out in his second year. Uh, I think that Marvin Jones is is more and more ancillary in this offense. So uh, I definitely don't disagree there. Who's another wide receiver sell for you, Kyle? So this is a bigger name, and he's been he's been killing it recently since that, uh, you know, he had the injury and since the bye, but that's A.J. Brown who plays tonight. Hopefully hopefully we get this out in time so some people can hear it. But if not, he's probably already played, and, and he probably blew up for three touchdowns and made me look like an idiot. Um, <laughs> but – with that being said, he is scoring at a ridiculous rate. He has six touchdowns in five games um, The on the overproducer chart that we have been uh, talking about. He's overproducing. I believe he's the highest. You can you can check that out for me. But he, he's second. second? He's okay. second only behind Christian Kirk. Okay, yeah. Okay, so behind Kirk, who we did talk about last week as a sell. I also ended up scoring, but uh, I, still, I still want to sell him. But A.J. Brown's overproducing at 7.1 fantasy points per game um and the schedule gets tough his next three he's got two of them against the colts and one against baltimore so the colts right now i believe rank is the number one defense and baltimore is probably top three with the steelers i would think um but aj brown's a beast it's tough to like i do believe in his talent i still think he's a great player but i was watching nfl network on the plane today and they're like AJ Brown is an elite wide receiver talking about putting him in like the top five. I don't think he's that good. So if people are watching NFL network and are believing that, I think you can, you can trade and, and actually get some good value out of him, but we'll see, watch him. He's going to go off tonight. And now that I said that, but <laughs> we'll, we'll see. I, I am going to disagree with you on this one, Kyle. Uh, and, and my feelings on AJ Brown, I was, a little trepidatious about him as a prospect. So I was a little bit, you know, not below consensus, but I wasn't like crazy about him as a prospect. I think he exceeded expectations um, already in his short career, you know, by a lot. I also think that I was a little bit worried about him coming into this year. Just, you know, we're projecting an uptick in volume. It was hoped for. Um, and it was unbelievably like historically efficient in his rookie year in 2019. So I, there's a lot of projection there. I just didn't feel as confident. You know, obviously we talk about opportunity and volume on this podcast constantly. So I was like, is the volume going to be there? This is a, this is an offense that was bound to regress. It was so efficient. Anyway, you know, obviously he's got the knee injury, but besides that, he has just been unbelievable this year. And I think he's really cemented himself as one of the most talented wide receivers in the game. And honestly, like people are talking about him as the modern day TO. I don't even think that that's far, that's far off you know when we're talking about the talent perspective the way that this guy plays the scoring pace that he's on is like unbelievable i think he's got 11 touchdowns his last 10 weeks or 10 games um and then obviously he's got six in his last five so he's really going off but uh you know with regard to the schedule the colts are a good defense and they have played very very well this year their weakest point is against opposing wide receivers though they're only ranking you know per espn they're only ranking 11th um, one being the the uh, worst matchup for running backs or wide receivers to face. Excuse me. Um, you know they they gave up 200 yards and two touchdowns to Detroit's wide receivers. They gave up 285 yards and 20 catches to Cincinnati's wide receivers in Week Six. Uh, I think that AJ. There. Oh, there were a ton in Week Six. <laughs> right. There were a ton, but still, I mean, the the point is, uh, if there's a weak point against the Colts, it's there. It's against wide receivers. And A.J. Brown, I think, is proving that he's basically matchup proof. Um, he is unbelievably talented. And the other thing is, I wrote about this in the catch-up. I think this really speaks to A.J. Brown's growth and emergence as a true wide receiver one. And that is, his target floor in 2020 has been seven targets. He has no less than seven targets in a single game. Yeah, that's in tough. In 2019, <laughs> yeah, in, in, in 2019, as a rookie, he played 19 games. He cleared he cleared seven targets just three times. He had that amazing season. He was unbelievable, so efficient. He only had more than seven targets three times out of 19 games. He has not had less than seven targets a single time in 2020. So I really think that his arrow is pointing up. I think you're betting on talent, and I think slowly but surely his volume is going up and up as well. So uh, I will disagree with you there, Kyle. Uh, any rebuttal there? No, you you made a great point. My my only thing is, I mean, it's the touchdowns. Obviously, he's a beast, and I did see you know his 
when I was looking at selling, I did see the the targets and I was like, damn, that's not really a guy I want to sell, but he, I do think he's still overproducing. And I think I just, I don't We'll see how it goes, but like, yeah, he's a talented player for sure. It's tough to sell any of these like elite players that we, we talk about, but um, I don't know. I, I guess we'll see. I, I do think the schedules are tough and 11 is still, you know, upper third basically of, of the NFL. Yep. Uh, and then I do think the Ravens and the Steelers are, are ridiculous, but the Ravens have a great defense. So I do think he has a tough schedule and I think the touchdowns reduce um, even if the volume stays consistent. No, I mean, it's fair process wise. It's good play. Like I, I would, if it was someone named not AJ Brown or if someone, someone not named AJ Brown, I should say, uh, I would agree with you. There is no way that this touchdown pace is sustainable. I just think that, you know, through what are we talking like 25 games in his career now, he's proving that this is the type of player that he is. And I also think that Ryan Tannehill has given us more and more confidence that this offense can actually maintain a level of above average efficiency. And so I think that's why whenever I talk about the rock, I, I tell people it will help you understand the opportunity, the numbers behind the production so much better. But at the end of the day, it still requires you to be a fantasy manager and add in the color and the extra context. And there's room for error in that, right? Like I'm projecting a lot here, Kyle. And the answer could be simply, Kyle is right. There is no chance that AJ Brown continues to score at over a touchdown a game clip uh, like he's been doing in his last five. So you're, you're, you're pro- I'm not dis- disagreeing with your process. I just coming to a different uh, conclusion based on the added color that I'm adding. So um, with that said, Kyle, who is your final wide receiver cell for week 10? So kind of hinted at this, um, and that's T. Higgins with the the Burrow pass attempts. But um, yep. T. Higgins is 27th in, in Rock the past four weeks, so he he is seeing pretty good volume. Um, that's that's what happens when you're on the pass heaviest team in the NFL. With what's I mean, I think Burrow's a beast, so a really nice rookie quarterback. But once again, he's over producing his expected fantasy points by 3.6 points per game. Um, he has an 18% target share and a 22% air yard share, which, you know, it sounds low in terms of percentage, but it is, you know, it's a little more relative when you're talking about the pass heaviest team in the NFL. So it's, it's not bad by any means, but only two red zone targets. Um, AJ Green, Tyler Boyd are both seeing significantly more work. And although I expect Joe Mixon to be out this week, um, he is going to be coming back soon. And I think that team eventually runs it a little bit more than they have been. So I do like T Higgins. I think he's, a, a, again, a really talented player. He's a nice rookie and he'll, he'll be good. I like him in dynasty more than I do rest of season, but Bengals schedule gets a little bit tougher and he is ultimately the third option in, in this, uh, not a great Bengals team. Yeah. Um, I've been a buyer and Tyler Boyd throughout. I was initially a hesitant buyer in AJ Green. And then I just kind of came to the conclusion that he, you know, he's getting this volume and he's not really doing anything with it. And he just kind of moved on. Um, with T Higgins, I was, I've talked to Jeff about this, talked about on the pod from a talent perspective. I think I was, I was too low on him. Um, I, at one point I thought he was like the next Julio level prospect when he was a freshman at Clemson. Um, then, you know, as his career went on, it just kind of was less and less uh, bullish on him. And anyway, he, especially from a rookie perspective, I was like, okay, this guy's like, there's Auden Tate, who is basically a little bit taller, AJ Green, and he's already got years in the offense. And then there's AJ Green, who's AJ Green. Uh, and okay, so T Higgins as a rookie is going to come out. Well, guess what? T Higgins has done it. He's definitely exceeded my expectations. But you're right, Kyle. He is the third option on this team still, you know, for better or for worse. AJ Green is still getting the most targets on this team. He's leading the team in targets in the last three weeks or four weeks. Um, and not only that, but he also is leading the team in air yards and air yard share. And so Tyler Boyd, to me, is by far and away the number one guy I want on this offense. His role fits so well with this high passing volume attack where Joe Burrow is more than content enough to, you know, dunk it over to to, um, to Tyler Boyd for, you know, you know, seven, eight yards, something like that. And then Tyler Boyd has shown the ability to make something after that. And the other thing is Tyler Boyd has been soaking up all the red zone targets, not AJ Green or T Higgins. I'm not necessarily sure why that is uh, in the sense that, you know, prototypically T Higgins and uh, and AJ Green would be those types of red zone threats. But alas, you know, it's, it's Tyler Boyd. So I think uh, at the end of the day, 
take what you can get with T. Higgins uh, and be happy that he's making a rookie year impact. But I would not be expecting a wide receiver two. Uh, and, you know, wide receiver three, I guess you could make a case for because he's still in the top 30 in rock. But still, it almost feels like he's still like overproducing. The, the, the pass volume is there's a chance that it decrease that it regresses. I'm, I feel much better about Tyler Boyd uh, than I do T. Higgins. So um, that's my stance there. So let's move on to our running backs now, Kyle. Uh, this first one, you know, you don't really have to convince me too much, but let's hear your pitch for it. Yeah, we are, baby. Uh, Miles Sanders. However, let me let me take back what I just said because Penn State is pathetic, and I like <laughs> I just can't even watch two games anymore. So I'm I'm, I'm salty about this year. I'm not at school, and Penn State's zero and three. So like. Yeah, we'll move on from that talk, but okay. Um, yeah, Miles Sanders, like back from injury this week, when he before he left and got injured, he was killing it, ripping off some big touchdowns and and looking really good on a really, really injured team. Uh, you know, injuries on, on the old line, no receivers. It was basically Miles Sanders, and teams could focus on him, and he was still producing. Um, so obviously, you love to see that. And he's got a favorable schedule here with the Eagles starting this week against the Giants. And obviously we know how the NFC East is and, and they're in a playoff push. I mean, they're the, the worst playoff team, but um, what, what I see, I saw that they had the better odds to, to make the playoffs than the undefeated Steelers, which is crazy. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's, that's crazy. Yeah. That, that doesn't, it's so dumb, but but yeah, so I mean, this Eagles team—they they want to make the playoffs. They're getting almost fully healthy. They're getting Goddard back, some line help, and Miles Sanders back this week. Um, I, I love Miles Sanders. I I do think this team's going to start winning. I think it's a, a really well coached team, uh, and everything. It, you know, the running back position is very very shallow right now. You know, we've got people going down with injuries and people under producing and ultimately that's you know that's always kind of how running backs are so you want to hang on to those guys that you can get or that you have but if you can get a good running back I almost always preach that because I, I just think running backs are so much harder to get than wide receivers and, and you know that's just it's proven year after year but Miles Sanders is a total buy candidate for me I think people the reason he buys is nothing I know he's coming back and you could say um, similar to like Nick Chubb, like coming off injury, maybe some people were, were waiting on him, but I still think he's gonna he's gonna kill it. That is Miles Sanders, and I think you can buy him for relatively low right now. Yeah, I'm I'm totally on board with buying Miles Sanders. Uh, I you know I'm a buyer in the talent. I'm generally a buyer in the situation. I think getting Dallas Goddard back, who's a great blocker uh at tight end and also you know will help move the chains um getting Jalen Rigor back obviously the explosive first round rookie is, is all just trending in the right direction that Miles Sanders doesn't need to be the engine through which this offense moves he just needs to be healthy and active and getting the ball um and he needs Carson Wentz to be able to throw accurately in his direction <laughs> um it's been so frustrating Miles Sanders has in terms of targets uh and in receiving volume he's actually been pretty solid he's averaging uh five targets per game in his healthy games and that's not even factoring in um you know the time that he missed due to being banged up uh you know like week six he only played half the game um but anyways still averaging five targets per game unfortunately he's catching less than less than half of them because Carson Wentz basically has like an aneurysm every time that he tries to throw to Miles Sanders I don't understand it I it's so frustrating watching the Eagles because Miles Sanders should have like three receiving touchdowns but anyway I'm so with you, Kyle. Uh, I think that this guy could have a really, really big second half of the of the fantasy season here, and you know, push people through the playoffs. Uh, I don't know what his trade value is at the moment. I don't know if like I don't feel like he's really being talked about. I think most people are probably holding on him, keeping him at his like low end RB one price tag. So, uh, you know, I guess it's a, it's maybe not necessarily a buy low opportunity or anything like that, but. Um, there's at the very least, I think that if you're getting a fair, if you're giving a fair price for him, uh, I like what you are going to receive in, in return. I, um, I have a cool example for Miles Sanders. I just offered actually the kid I'm playing this week. So it, it helps me even more, but I've got on my team, um, Russell Wilson, but I also have Deshaun Watson on my bench. 
no one wants to give me anything for quarterback. The kid I'm playing, he has um, Cam and then no one else. And he has like, he has decent running backs, but I offered him uh, Ezekiel Elliott and Deshaun Watson for Miles Sanders. He said, he'll get back to me on it. I think because I'm playing him this week and Zeke is on by, I think he's probably going to turn it down, but like, that's where I'm at. And I mean, it sounds, if you're just looking at name value, I'm definitely losing that trade, but that's, it's not that way at all. I'll take Miles Sanders over Zeke all day and my quarterback situation is already set. So just for people listening, kind of what I would give, that's what I would give up basically. You've been talking about Zeke uh, as a sell. You know, it's unfortunate, but it's the reality of the situation. I think uh, Garrett Gilbert gives us some hope for for buyers of Dallas offense um, because he at least looked more capable than Ben DiNucci. Uh, but yeah, the the problems are unfortunately um, bountiful for Zeke right now. But yeah, so I'm with you on Miles Sanders. I think this next one is uh, a guy that I'm I'm definitely on board with as well from a season long standpoint. Now there is a, a a more scary trend the last two weeks. I won't spoil it for you, but um, you know, I've got I've got my thoughts as well. So I think I talked about James Conner last week as a buy, and then and he terribly disappointed against Dallas in like the worst game I've ever seen an undefeated team play against you know prim- I, a team starting their fourth yeah, quarter. I mean, I don't even know if I think the Jets would beat the Cowboys. I really do. Like I'd actually bet money on that. So yeah, it was a terrible game, but I, I just think it was a fluky game. Um, going, but going forward this week, big Ben is on the COVID list. So he's not practicing and he's got two banged up knees. So I think we're going to see a lot of volume out of James Connor this week. He's got a nice favorable schedule. Still. We talked about that last week a little bit. Um, but at least the next two look really nice. And this team, like I said, they've got one of the best defenses in the NFL. When you have one of the best defenses in the, in the NFL, you're allowed to run the football and I think the Steelers, they tend to do that. They've they've always done that. And James Conner is still getting decent pass work. So um, especially this week with the uncertainty of Big Ben, whether or not he's even going to play. Um, and if he does, we know he's got no practice and two banged up knees. I do think James Conner has a big bounce back game this week, as well as next week with two very easy games. James Conner had a stretch, a five-game stretch in the you know for most of the season, basically weeks two through seven, where he was just dominating. He was averaging 18 carries a game, almost 90 rushing yards per game, almost a touchdown per game. He had four and five weeks, uh, three over three targets, about two and a half catches, 21 receiving yards. Really, really, really strong stuff. Like anytime you're averaging over 100 uh, all-purpose yards and a touchdown per game. Uh, and 20 touches like, you know, these indicators are very strong for James Conner. He was meeting every expectation I had, which was that he was way underpriced as a low end RB one option. Sure. He had the injury history, but good offense wanted to feed him. They did feed him. And then all of a sudden weeks eight and nine came about and they play Baltimore. So we kind of throw that one out the window. We still got 15 carries, uh, three targets that, you know, that's fine. Okay. So he's, he had a touchdown. That's fine. Um, Snapshare went down at 58%. So I kind of threw that one out. He had during that stretch that I already mentioned, he had three games below 70% out of those five. So uh, I wasn't too concerned. And then all of a sudden week nine happens against Dallas and he has 46% of the snaps, uh, only nine carries, uh, two targets, minus two yards. Really, really concerning performance. Now, based on the rest of the season, I definitely agree this is an outlier. However, uh, for whatever reason, you know, Anthony McFarland and Benny Snell were all the way back involved again. So I think it's more so just something to monitor. I, I added this in the catch up as well, Kyle. So I'm with you that I, I'm monitoring this. Uh, I do think that is a blip, but I, you know, since we can't predict the future, I can't, I can't guarantee that this isn't going to continue. If, if it does, it's definitely a shift from the way James Conner is used, the way that Pittsburgh deploys their running backs. So I do think it's a blip. Um, I am buying with you as well. So um, moving on to your, Running back sells, Kyle. Who are we looking at this week? Let's start off with a bold take. Uh, Christian McCaffrey. I think this hopefully will hopefully raise some eyebrows. I think that's my goal. <laughs> but also, I'm like, it, it's valid, I think. Um, probably, unless you had McCaffrey and got Mike Davis, 
you're probably not in, in a good position. If you did get Mike Davis, you're probably in, in a solid position. But um, it sounds like, I mean, well, he's definitely out this week, Christian McCaffrey, that is. Next week sounds like he has a shot to play, but banged up. I think, I mean, we'll see what happens. But, you know, they paid this guy a lot of money to to play good football, and they're not, eh, I guess they're still in the playoff hunt, but they're not like an elite team. I think they're, I think next week, I wouldn't be surprised if McCaffrey gets less of a role. I, that was supposed to be the plan going into last week against the Chiefs. That didn't happen. They used him. He got 37 fantasy points, and, and they just used him a ton. He ended up getting hurt with the shoulder, a little fluky, but I think they're going to limit his touches next week if he plays. But either way, he's missing this week, and he has a week 13 bye. Uh, I've been saying that about the Bucks and the Panthers just to keep an eye on that. And, and now we're getting close to playoffs. Many of you probably have your, your uh, trade deadlines coming up soon. And Chris McCaffrey likely won't be there for many people's week one of their playoffs. So uh, I'm, I'm definitely open to trading Chris McCaffrey. Of course I want, there is almost no scenario where I'm not taking an, you know, another elite running back back. Like if I don't get, if I don't get uh, Dalvin Cook, Aaron Jones, Alvin Kamara, D- uh, Derek Henry, if I don't get one of those guys, I, I probably won't consider it. But I would take one of those guys and and maybe something else, especially considering they're going to play an extra two more games. You know, if everything stays consistent, because they're all past their bye weeks and fully healthy. So um, I do think there's definitely a case to be made to sell Christian McCaffrey even after obviously a monster game. You know, I really don't have that big of a problem with this at all, Kyle. I think probably one of the strongest points of the argument is is the bye week in week 13, that even if he comes back healthy, even if he plays, it doesn't look like he's going to play this week. Uh, even if he plays next week, which is kind of up in the air, um, he's still going to be out for sure in week 13. So unless you are like waltzing to the playoffs, have good running back depth, have two guys you feel like you, could, you can fire up and you have your flex situation, then yeah, I'm with you. I mean, if someone is going to give you R, like elite RB1 price, for Christian McCaffrey at this point, I say fire away. So I'm with you on that, Kyle. Um, and who is your final running back sell? So this one's kind of weird, but I think you can sell the name. And that's uh, CEH, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. He's RB9 right now on the season, um, but he has been bad since Le'Veon Bell has been there. Le'Veon's absolutely eating into his work. The Chiefs continue to show that they're you know a, a past-dominant team. And... Clyde's just not seeing the work that you want to see. His past three, his past three games, he has five, six, and eight carries. So, like, not great. And and you think maybe he makes up for it in the receiving department, but he's only got uh, a combined seven catches in those three games as well. He does have two t- touchdowns over the three games, and I know we talked about that a couple weeks ago, Will, and we were expecting the touchdowns to um, increase, which you know they sort of did. But Le'Veon Bell is ultimately eating way too much of uh, his work, and he's just been produ- like underproducing. But he's still technically a top ten running back um, in terms of like ESPN rank and and where he is on, and fantasy points on the season. So I think you know, cl- like Clyde is a type of name that people look for, and you could maybe acquire if you package him with someone, a Miles Sanders, or like I'll take Nick Chubb for him, or uh, you know, running backs around that that caliber. I'm all for packaging players and getting an upgrade if you can. But no matter where you're at, you need to see your schedule, see your likelihood of making the playoffs. If you need to win now, if you need to win later, um, or if you can afford to lose now and win in the playoffs, and and you need to look at at certain players and see like which running backs you want to get. Um, because the running back running back is the most important position in my opinion. I'll continue to say that, and I think it wins championships. So, I do I do think Clyde, uh, you know, he's got top ten value right now technically, but I don't I don't continue I don't see that continuing. Um, I definitely have him outside my top fifteen running backs honestly the rest of the season. So, see if you can get top ten value for him. The, the trend since Le'Veon Bell was added has just been down, down, down. It's really been concerning. Um, I think in terms of my projection for Le'Veon's role, I have been spot on, which is that he would absorb 
uh, Darrell Williams work and, you know, get around that 30, 33% snap share. That's been very, very accurate so far. The problem is I've not been accurate on the other end, which was that Clyde would basically stay the same. That has not been the case. I mean, he didn't see less than double digit carries until Le'Veon Bell came to town. Now he's got eight, six and five in that order. His target numbers have gone four, three, five. Um, and it's just, I mean, he does have that receiving touchdown. He has a rushing touchdown against uh, Denver. But it it just really, really has been a disappointing, um, disappointing trend for him. And, you know, he's got 53% of snaps week seven, 50% week eight, 40% in week nine. I don't know how anyone can really be encouraged by what we're seeing from Clyde edwards Lair. I think the only thing that you can do is if you're considering keeping him or buying him, you either don't want to sell low and, you know, I'm, I'm okay with that. You know, I, if, if you don't have to, then don't. Um, but if you're going to acquire him, you have to think that some change is coming in his po- in the positive here. There have been some weird games in in the midst of this stretch. Uh, you know, m- multiple blowouts, uh, times where he's just been given a break. But um, and at the very least, it's not like Le'Veon Bell is taking over this line share of the work. He's just he's still being the second. He's RB one B. So uh, I'm with you though. I mean, I can't see this for, as anything but a, a major red flag. I've already sold. Clyde in my in my main league. Unfortunately, that league is basically uh, moot for me at the at the moment. Um, you know that that lot lot just happened in that one. But um, anyway, I'm with you on that one, Kyle. Let's move on to. I know you've got a couple uh, points to make on quarterbacks and tight ends, so let's hear them. Yeah, we'll start off with quarterbacks. Um, if you're looking for a trade, I'm just going to continue to say I I do like Lamar Jackson as a buy low. Um, He's just had really tough matchups, and the passing is awful. I, I get that. But soon, especially the playoffs, the fantasy playoffs, that is, um, his schedule gets very favorable. I think he's going to hit his stride, like I said earlier, in terms of passing and start connecting. And that rushing floor is there. So, you know, he's got the – we saw what he did last year. He's got the make of, of an elite fantasy quarterback. I do think he's going to have a strong second half of the of the fantasy season. So – I do like him as a buy low and then especially, um, you know, most people are, are probably set on quarterback. Honestly, it's really deep, but if you have a bye week this week, I love Jared Goff. Uh, he's playing Seattle, the worst pass defense in the NFL by far. And they're coming off of a buy. Um, you know, Sean McVay coach team, we expect good things out of them off of a buy. And even before that, he's coming off of a, f- uh, Goff, that is. He's coming off of a four turnover game. And I think, you know, two weeks to prepare and kind of fix what's going on. I think he's going to have a, a huge game against Seattle and what is likely to be a shootout. Um, and then also, just in case you do need a quarterback, I do like him season long. The rest of the way, he's got um, basically one more difficult game. And that's after Seattle this week. He plays at Tampa Bay. So that's tough. But other than that, no one really scary anymore. San Fran, the Cardinals, the Patriots, the Jets, and the Seahawks again. So I do like golf. I also like um, – I love Cooper Cup. I think we talked about him last week. I was I was going to throw him on here again, but I didn't want to be too repetitive. But I do love Cooper Cup. Uh, so, yeah, I think those two quarterbacks, definitely worth taking a look. I'm, I'm not trading anything for Jared Goff. I would definitely trade something for Lamar if you're not – if you don't have Kyler Murray or Russell Wilson. Maybe Josh too. Okay. Um, on Goff and on the Rams offense in general, this passing attack is finally starting to approach, uh, I, th- I think, what we were expecting coming into the year. We were just expecting to see more volume, a little bit more downfield. Um, you know, we're not we're not quite to that level that I think that they should be. But, you know, it is what it is. At the very least, Cooper Cup is all of a sudden, in the last few weeks, he is 11th in rock. And... Josh Reynolds, a name that people probably aren't used to hearing too much when we're in the conversation of Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. And Josh Reynolds has actually been the number two wide receiver based on opportunity uh, the last three weeks. He's 26th in Rock, uh, 34% air yard share, 17% target share. That ties Robert Woods, but it's all the all the other metrics basically are in Josh Reynolds' favor. So specifically for Week 10, I love Josh Reynolds as a smash DFS play. Uh, I think you could definitely fire up a, a stack. I, I tweeted this as well. Um, a game stack of Jared Goff, Cooper Cup, and then Josh Reynolds, and then run back with a DK or Lockett, either or. Um, 
you know, that's really, really hammering this, what's supposed to be a pretty high scoring matchup. So, uh, and, and on the, uh, the lower ownership side of it too. So that's my stance there. I like the, I like the locket comeback. I think, I mean, I love DK. I think he's elite for sure. But, um, if, if Jalen Ramsey does play, which I think he will, I think he's sick or something like that, but I, I think, you know, he's one of the best corners in the game and Lockett's Lockett's going to have, no, I mean, he's not going to have a game that he had 200 yards, 15 catches and three touchdowns, but I do think he has a big Lockett game. Um, I think he'll go for over 20 and have a better game than DK. Okay. Maybe that'll have to be our board or board. <laughs> well, I guess we, we've been doing, we've been doing, uh, uh, we should probably do it on AJ Brown. Yes. Because we I was thinking about, about that too. All right. We'll circle back on that and make sure it gets tweeted out. Um, but, uh, all right, Kyle, let's, let's wrap up here with our tight end buys and sells. Uh, I know you've got, you've got a, a tight end buy and then we'll, we'll discuss sells. Yep. Um, so, well, before I do say the tight end sell, just quarterbacks, like, like I said, I'm always open to, to trading. Um, even though I said, I wanted to buy Lamar Jackson, it doesn't mean I'm, I'm not trading. A, like I don't want to trade a starter for a quarterback hardly ever. I guess it depends how much of a downgrade it, it will be. It's pretty situational, but I'm pretty open to trading quarterbacks. Um, but anyway, we move on. Tight ends are horrible. <laughs> like I, <laughs> I've got Noah fan in like all my leagues and just so upsetting. Like I feel like he should be so good. And he just gets hurt and he's disappointing. But uh, anyway, uh, I do like Dallas Goddard back with the Eagles. I think similarly to Miles Sanders coming back from injury. I know Goddard played last week, but he didn't. I mean, I think he played. Well, he did play a good amount of, of snaps, but he only ran 20 routes. I expect that to increase. Um, we don't have much of a sample with Goddard this year, but we know how good he was last year. I think he's a, a high upside, very volatile play, but you know that's kind of what we're, unless you have, well, Kelsey's on by this week, but basically unless you have Travis Kelsey or Darren Waller, that's where we're at in tight end position is just a dart throw, hope for a touchdown. And I would say um, Dallas Goddard is probably your best bet to get one. So I do like him this week and also season long. Yeah, my uh, my pick for a tight end buy um, is someone I've been talking about in the catch up and also on Twitter a little bit. Evan Ingram. Um, in the last three weeks, Kyle, he is 18th in rock score. That is agnostic of position. Uh that's really significant because that is essentially Tyler or Tyler, uh, Travis Kelsey range. That's really, really, really big time numbers there. Uh, so Evan Ingram definitely trending in the right direction for his stock. I was not a buyer of his coming into the season, so I felt pretty justified based on what I was seeing. Um, now, all of a sudden, though, it looks like we've got an opportunity here to acquire Evan Ingram as his stock is on the up and up. So, uh, you know, anytime a, a, a um, tight end is getting 28% target share, 27% air yard share, and six red zone targets in three weeks. That's significant. Um, he is he is tied for second in red zone, or sorry, tied for third in red zone targets the last three weeks. So um, this is a better rock than than Darren Waller, TJ Hawkinson, obviously, um, you know, Travis Kelsey included. So this is this is big time. Uh, I think Evan Ingram could be, you know, if if this if this uh, volume stays up. He could be a big, big time player come fantasy playoffs. We'll see. Hey, Ingram was on like my buys earlier, and like he's similar to AJ Green with that volume and just the consistent underproducing. Um, but like, yes, I, I agree. The volume is totally there, but it's and and the eye test is there for him too. But it's it's more to me. It's more of a question of Daniel Jones. Um, so if you if you have faith in Daniel Jones, then yeah, I do like it. But yeah, he he gets elite volume and and the tight end position is very weak so i do agree with you that evan ingram is a buy but be cautious yeah i mean it's like beginning of the season he was getting seven eight five ten targets those are the first uh four weeks uh then he went two three and that's when you're like okay this is like unstartable what are you doing these are division matchups too like the Giants should have been doing everything they could to win he was having this very low a dot role but all of a sudden Kyle, the last three weeks nine ten ten are his, is his targets obviously you know, that's almost 30% target share, almost 30% air yard share. Uh, only one touchdown during that time, despite the red zone targets. I just see him continuing to put up like around 50 yards, probably like five or six catches, and then starting to ch ch uh, chip away at these 
these touchdown numbers as well. And that's all you need to have a very, very playable tight end. So to me, Evan Ingram remains a guy that I am uh, that I'm interested in. In terms of sells, though, man, we, we talked about it off off air. Um, I think the only guy that I am would, would consider a sell is Mark Andrews. And the reason is there is a chance that someone is still assigning like top three tight end, top five tight end value based on the name. When in reality, he has been anything but I mean, he's had he's had two multi-score games. And with the exception of that, he has been basically unplayable. He had he had a touchdown uh, in week five against Seattle against Cincinnati. Um, but I mean, he's going on three straight weeks of no production, uh, pretty, pretty poor opportunity numbers as well. So I would be more than more than comfortable selling Mark Andrews if I can get you know, something in the neighborhood of top five tight end value. Um, you know, he's uh, half PPR ranked nine right now among tight ends. So there's maybe a chance if someone's thinking they can buy low on him and pay up. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, Kyle, I know that you are a buyer in um, Lamar Jackson, though. Do you think that Mark Andrews bounces back with him? It's yeah, I do think he does. I do think, you know, I think things will be better than they have been for Mark Andrews. But you're right. He hasn't he hasn't been very. I know you can't just take away the touchdowns, but if you do take away the touchdowns, you can't play him in any of these games or you don't feel you're not happy with any, any of his fantasy performances. Um, yet if you take away the touchdowns, he's only got two, two basically usable games. I do think, like I said, the schedule gets easier. I do think that the passing gets better for Lamar. Um, so it's tough for me to, to say, sell him just because I know how poor the, the tight end position is. Um, I'm not going to say buy him necessarily unless unless someone's like very low on him and you can get like I would trade I I, I agree the volume is there for Evan Ingram but um and if you want to <laughs> make a side bet we could but I I would rather have Mark Ingram or sorry sorry Mark Andrews rather than Evan Ingram the rest of the way there are other guys that I'm like way more interested in than Mark, Mark Andrews at this point. Like I know how good Mark Andrews is. I know how good Lamar Jackson is. And for whatever reason, it's not clicking. I'm just not sure I can project that it's going to get better by the end of the fantasy season. So to me, like I'd much rather have Hayden Hurst right now. Hayden Hurst's volume has been stellar. Uh, he's had a really stable floor this season. Um, you know, no less than 50 yards receiving uh, in his last four weeks. You've extended that for the rest of the season. He's had two duds, one of which he had a touchdown in, so it's not even technically a dud. And other than that, he has been really, really stable, still outside the top five in, in points per game uh, or in, in fantasy points. So uh, I think that Hayden Hurst is like someone I would totally do a one-for-one -one swap, even on his buy, and just fill in with a uh, a tight end, you know, touchdown or bust fill in this week. So um, with that said, Kyle, any final thoughts here as we wrap up our uh, buys and sells coverage for week 10? I'll, I'm going to go to a semi-specific example, um, but I think this is kind of a cool one. I was one of my friends just asked me for like advice. He said their trade deadlines today. Um, he's like, I need a running back. Do you, do you have anyone that you like? And I was like, well, I like Chris Carson and Nick Chubb to buy, but then it's very situational. So I'm going to, I'm going to give you a, a situation and we're going to talk just Brown's running backs for a second. And that is if you need, if you're, if you're playing in half PPR or full PPR and you need to win now to make the playoffs, um, I do prefer Kareem Hunt. And I think I actually think he's worth trading for. I think you can buy him low because Nick Chubb is coming back. But when Nick Chubb was back um, in, in games that weren't just sheer Browns domination, it was Kareem Hunt that was actually producing significantly better. Um, so I do like him if you need to win now. Their schedule points the way that that hunt will um continue to produce but if you are looking good and you're going to make the playoffs um and you feel pretty confident i do like trading for nick chubb um his the schedule is nice for him for the fantasy playoffs he's got uh the giants and the jets in week 15 and 16 so that could be your fantasy uh championship so I do think that's it's a specific case, but definitely worth taking a look at. And you should kind of use that um, that strategy, I guess, moving forward. But always be looking at your schedule, who your guys are, are playing against, um, who your opponents have, and and this and that, and and kind of you know start start prepping for the playoffs because this is this is make it or break it time. And, you, and if you can acquire some 
some really good talent with good matchups in the playoffs, then that's going to separate you and, and you're going to be uh, much better than the average, the, the average owner or most owners in, in your league probably. Yeah, I totally agree with you on this one too, Kyle. Uh, I've been a huge Kareem Hunt fan uh, since the summer when it just felt like he was mispriced. Um, he, he's going to have a role regardless of Nick Chubb being healthy or not. Nick Chubb coming back from this injury, I think if anyone is is allowing that to really move Kareem Hunt any lower than like mid-tier RB2 price, uh, then I'm totally scooping up. Like I've already sent multiple trade offers for Kareem Hunt just in the event that someone is trying to sell while they still can. Uh, I think that he's got a really stable receiving role in this offense. He has four receiving touchdowns on the year. He's also been uh, getting whole drives to himself when Nick Chubb is healthy, and he's been looking really good. This offense is about to settle back into that really run-heavy role, I think, you know, without OBJ, getting Austin Hooper back. Obviously, they're, they're tight end one. Um, and then to get Nick Chubb back, I think they're probably going to settle back into that offense we saw in those first four weeks. And that saw, uh, you know, Kareem Hunt settle in between like, you know, 12 and 18 touches a game, basically, uh, really, really strong numbers there. And yeah, I, I, I totally feel good about Kareem Hunt as my RB2 going into the fantasy playoffs, especially if that comes with, you know, maybe, a, you know, maybe you're selling hot maybe you're getting like Josh Jacobs for Kareem Hunt and, you know, uh, I don't know. T Higgins or something like that. If you need to make a move, if you need to get a upgrade somewhere else, I think downgrading to Kareem Hunt is something that like I'd totally feel comfortable with because I don't really think it's that big of a downgrade. Uh, obviously, case by case, but um, who do you like better? Season long, rest of way. Um, I'll call it after this bye week just to make it a little bit more fair. But Ezekiel Elliott or Kareem Hunt? Oh, Kareem Hunt for sure. Okay, uh, and then I, mean, I just I don't think you can project like like. Zeke is basically a flex right now. Uh, and this offense, we don't know is going to get any better. Meanwhile, we really have a strong sample of what Kareem Hunt is able to do. He's healthy. The offense is, is still what what it was before. So, yeah, I definitely feel better about Kareem Hunt. Yeah, I get that. I think it's closer than we think. I, I, I do think with Dalton, he's going to come back, uh, whether it be the first game after the bye or, or in two. But I don't know. I, I, I imagine it being... A, at least a, a bit better for for Zeke, so we'll see. I, I don't know. I'm probably with you. I think I would also take Kareem Hunt, but it, it is close. Yeah, I mean, Kareem Hunt has a better receiving role at this point. Kareem Hunt, with Nick Chubb healthy, has probably a slightly worse rushing role than Ezekiel, and at the very least, we expect him to be more efficient. Like like Zeke's efficiency has plummeted. It's been below average for him um, this year anyway, but it's plummeted and his offensive line is bad. So even if he gets Andy Dalton back, who I'm not even necessarily sure is an upgrade over Garrett Gilbert at this point, if we're being completely honest, like based on what we saw from both of them. Um, and the other thing is that the touchdown equity is just completely gone. He had five touchdowns in the first five weeks. You know, he lost Dak Prescott, obviously, who was, you know, the engineer of this amazing offense. And since then, you know, he's he's topped 51 yards one time. Uh, in the last four weeks, he has no touchdowns. He has more than two catches once. And yeah, it's just it's just a major concern. Like, I, I think if you can sell Ezekiel Elliott on name value, then do it. Uh, and I on the other side of the coin, I really like Kareem Hunt. So, um, yeah, we can we can write that one up, too. <laughs> That's fair. Last thing. Let's see. Uh, what's your prediction for A.J. Brown fantasy points tonight? Oh, you got to give me a line here. I, see, um, I looked at the ESPN, but I, I do think he'll beat the ESPN one. So I'm hoping you'll be a little bit more bullish than what ESPN has. I think they're they're. Uh, I just I mean, my account's full, so I have it up there, but I would do either. OK, a half PBR is 12.2. Um, I'll I'll take the over. I'll say this. I'll say say round him out at like 65 yards and a touchdown uh five catches so that's we'll, we'll call it how about 15 points for AJ okay Brown. i'll go over and we're taking we're doing half pbr uh, yeah. yeah that's that's fair i'll take the under okay all right. um all right good stuff there uh we talked a lot about the rock score obviously guys if you haven't uh if you haven't checked it out yet if you don't know what we're talking about Make sure to head over to ContessaCatch.com forward slash ROC. That is the rock score. That's where you can find it. If you're looking for some more explanation, if you're not necessarily sure how to use it, and for whatever reason you don't want to reach out on Twitter, at Catch, 
or at CCK underscore casing for Kyle. You can also find an explanation of write-up that I did to show how you can use this on a slightly small, uh, larger sample that is for 2019. Uh, and that is contestacatch.com forward slash rock dash explained. That's also linked on the rock page itself. Um, another thing I've been talking about the catch up a little bit. That is our weekly newsletter that I send out on every, every Thursday that is already out uh, by the time that you're listening to this. And uh, it's something that you know put in a ton of time. I'm really proud of that product. And I think it's actually pretty funny, too. So if you haven't yet signed up for that, you can at contestacatch.com forward slash catch dash up. Um, and, you know, you can also see the past issues there. You can see a uh, more of a description about what's in it every single week uh, all on that site as well. So with that said, thank you, Kyle, once again, for bringing a bunch of really good talking points for us, for us all to talk through and think about. Um, thank you guys for tuning in. We wish you the best of luck as you pursue these trades, these buys, uh, and these sells. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope to catch you next time. Mm-hmm.